the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the best of the Andrea K Show here on 1170 AM, The Answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 102 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay. Because I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. TNT. Watch me <laughs> That just never gets old. No, it doesn't. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Always a thrill to get to share this time with you on an especially none other than DJ Carrot Sticks. Yay! Applause with jazz hands. It is such a great day in America. It is day two for my man, President Donald J. Trump. He, uh, the, my list is growing. I, he's, he's accomplishing so much already. I can't even keep track of it all. Here, for the first time on the Andrea K Show, I am truly honored. As I told you guys at the top of the show, I don't really need to say anything more in terms of introducing him besides his name. He is a former congressman. He is an American hero. He is none other than Colonel Alan West. Hello, Colonel. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Andrew, thanks so much for having me. We have to make sure we do this more often. Oh. It's great to be with you first time. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, wow. You know, I almost didn't even so much has happened um, in, during the campaign trail with the Republican Party, with Donald Trump in, in, in America post-election. I, I almost didn't even know where to begin with the interview. And so I put it out to my listeners. I said, what do y'all want to hear from, you know, because I know my listeners and I know my friends out there on social media. They are such fans of yours. And so I'm actually going to go through. Um, thank you. Oh, sure. I'm going to go through um, the questions that they posed to me. First, first of all, he's made a lot. Donald Trump has made a lot of promises on the campaign trail. Huge agenda. Double down on those promises in the inaugural address. Some people are concerned that he might overplay his mandate, use too much of his goodwill, and that he should really focus a strategy on one or two big issues. If you agree with that strategy, what would those issues, one or two top issues be and what should he do? Well, I will tell you, first and foremost, uh, he does not have a mandate yet. He has an opportunity. Uh, and I think when you go back and you look at Bill Clinton, who thought he had a mandate, and he went down the path of a very far-left agenda, Hillary Care and everything, he got his butt kicked in his first midterm election. Uh, the same with Barack Obama, thought he had a mandate. He had you know, the House and the Senate, and uh, he went down the path of Obamacare. And look at how many seats he lost in the House in his uh, first midterm election. So you have an opportunity. And the opportunity is this. You've got to get Americans back 
to work. It has to be about economic growth. And the other thing that you have to do is rebuilding our military capability and capacity to be a strong deterrent force uh, and to make sure that you are doing the right things to provide for the common defense and uh, protect America. And, and that also relates to the fact that we're on a, a 21st century battlefield where we are here in the United States. If you don't believe that, look at San Bernardino, Fort Hood, Orlando, Boston. I can go on ad nauseum at infinitum. So if I were to advise Donald Trump, I would say these two things. Economic growth and national security, that's where your your primary concerns need to be right now. In terms of economics, there's been a lot of um, so many of the Never Trump movement were actually within the Republican Party. They didn't consider him a conservative and one of their own, and they had all these concerns about whether or not he was going to uh, see government as something that's not supposed to be large and tyrannical and rule over the people. There's there's many of us who saw that what he did with Carrier and with Ford, we saw that as a good thing. Hey, he picked up the mm-hmm. phone, he called these businesses, kept jobs here. Other people within the Republican Party said, oh, it, you know, he's just, he's being tyrannical, he's threatening, he's, he's doing the same thing that Obama did. What do you think about some of the things that he's done? I don't think that he has been like Obama. Obama did it through executive order fiat to, you know, instill fear and intimidation. And remember Barack Obama's mindset when he said back in 2012, if you own a business, you didn't build that. Well, Donald Trump, look, Donald Trump is not a Republican, Democrat, but, you know, conservative, liberal, progressive. He's a populist. And he is out there as a businessman saying the things that he believes need to get done and the things that are popular with the everyday American Joe and Jane six-pack, as I call them. So he realized, and and when you go back and you look at this, winning Pennsylvania, winning Ohio, winning Wisconsin, winning Michigan, I mean, he showed that he can connect with the everyday American out there that has been truly the forgotten man and woman who are out of work. You know, the left is saying, hey, we'll take care of you. Come be part of the welfare nanny state. The Republicans never really reached out to those individuals. And so now here comes a man that defied all logic, uh, did not play the by anyone's, you know, established rules. And he is a big threat to business as usual for Washington, D.C., and I think that's what he really stuck his finger in the chest of Washington, D.C. in his inauguration address. It's very encouraging. So I think, again, you see a guy that, that is about getting things done, uh, and he is going to make sure that he calls uh, those individuals that can get it done, and you're seeing him bring those people in. What he is saying is that America is open for business. You don't need to leave America. You need to stay here. You need to produce. You need to manufacture, and I will make sure you have the right type of tax, fiscal, economic policies, uh, regulatory policies that will enable you to thrive right here. Yeah, well, evidently speak. I thought his inaugural address was brilliant. I thought it was inspiring. I thought it was the very definition of unity to say, hey, you know, we're all patriots, you know, and and to unify around the concept of love of country. But I guess if you are somebody who only wants to see yourself through, through a divisive lens of skin color or gender and you feel therefore aggrieved as that particular group, you know, you're not going to, to see him as a uniter. What else do you oh, think no. he could or should do to unite America? Well, continue to talk to Americans. You know, the the problem that you see with the other side is this whole thing of identity politics. It's about the collective. It's not about the individual. And it's how they can pit those groups against each other. He's saying that everyone should want economic growth and prosperity, and everyone should want to be secure. Who wouldn't want that? You know, he's saying to people all across the country, I want to do what is necessary for your child to, you know, have good education opportunities. I want to make sure we restore law and order. Who would not want these basic, simple? 
simple things that really, if you understand and read the preamble of the United States Constitution, that's what he's talking about. Now, the other side is going to continue to go down the, you know, the hate mongering and, you know, the demeaning, denigrating and disparaging name calling and what have you. Uh, and there's a sense of the Washington, D.C. elites, the entertainment elites, the cultural elites uh, that feel threatened, you know, mm-hmm. the lobbyist elites. Uh, but what they have to understand is that they're not the ones that make up the majority of America. And that is what you saw come out in the November uh, 2016 election. Think about this. When you look at a state like Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's state elect, electoral uh, base has always been based upon Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Then all of a sudden, all the people in between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia rallied and came together, and they cared that state because they wanted a different future for themselves and for their children and grandchildren. And I think that is what you're seeing is that there's a revolt against the urban uh, collective mindset, that elitist mindset that says we know better than you. And right. New York and California does not dictate the way that this country should go. Right. That's, the American people have figured out really what the overarching theme is, the agenda is. It's just to give uh, the left really wants more and more and more power amassed to a centralized mm-hmm. government. And they can see that what's happened on the opposite coast isn't working. I live here in California. I know how bad it is here. The liberal policies here have taken what was once a great state and destroyed everything that was once great about it. It once had the greatest and, and, education know, it's not, system. And it's, just, and it's not just California. I mm-hmm. call it the locust effect because people leave California and they go do the same thing in other states. Look at what has happened <laughs> the locust, in Colorado. Right. Look at what has happened in Nevada. I mean, this is what people are concerned about is that they're exporting this progressive socialist status mindset and, you know, I mean, states who, you know, were very, you know, stable and, and, and had good conservative fiscal policies and took care of their citizens are now, you know, becoming more and more like California. So, you know, I think you're going to see fewer and fewer of these counties, uh, you know, leaning that way, except for those major urban centers. Right. We have, if you looked at this Women's March, and I did my open talking about the irrationality of the left, I would like to think that Donald Trump taking a, an approach to all Americans, because the basics of economics don't change whether or not somebody's bringing their wallet into the grocery store as a woman or whether it's an African-American person. Economics is economics. And he's trying to approach, treat everybody as equal and American. And I would like to think that his results, of which he's already on his way, already has achieved some on his way, I would like to think that that would be enough to overcome the intense cultural clash that we have with all these different identity groups, the hate and intolerance that's going on. I would like to think that maybe that would that would fix some of those problems, but I'm not sure that it will. I read I read a quote at the top of the show about the the former Czech president who said, you know, you, America can survive Obama, but not the fools that would vote for him. How do we how do we deal with this cultural clash that we got? And it literally does almost feel and this is a question from a listener. It feels as though there is a war on white people right now. Well, without a doubt, they feel that way because, I mean, you look at all the rhetoric out there. I mean, this person that is running for uh, DNC chair out of Iowa saying that she's going to tell white people to to shut up. I mean, you know, that's pretty stupid. Uh, But I think this is what we have to do. We have to start talking uh, about what it means to be an American. We have to start talking about the fundamental principles and values of a constitutional republic in our homes. we got to make sure that our kids are getting uh, taught that in the schools. We need to talk about it in our communities, because so often we have been afraid to stand up and, and push back against the cultural progressive socialist left, and, and we cannot do that anymore. And they are angry because oh, yeah. they felt, hey, this is, this is a walk in the park. We have our blue wall. We're going to win this election. 
and now all of a sudden they're they're they feel threatened and mm-hmm. much the same as as a hornet's nest that you kick I mean they're coming out and they're looking to sting anybody so now is a time when we look at these institutions we have to restore the, the family look in the black community what since Lyndon Baines Johnson and the Great Society programs has done to the two-parent household in the black community we need to restore the sense of family we need to restore that sense of small business entrepreneurship that indomitable uh, spirit that has built this country uh, over the past 240 years we have to go back to understanding that education is is something that we have to make sure is provided to everyone the fact that Barack Obama canceled the DC school voucher program in mm-hmm. April of 2009 but yet sent his kids to sit well friends we need the evidence that the left believes in that you do as we say not as we do mm-hmm. and it started with this person who's supposed to be the first black president he doesn't believe that these young black children deserving minority children should get a quality education like he is trying to provide his own we need to bring that out mm-hmm. and then again we need to talk about what law and order really means we need to combat this lawlessness uh, this whole thing about sanctuary cities is very 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 simple you don't get federal funding if you're going to thumb the nose of the Constitution United States of America we've got to win the ideological debate now I will use a term that some drill sergeants used on me when I was a young cadet there are going to be people out there that are stuck on stupid yeah there are going to be a collection <laughs> of folks out there that you know they're going to continue to want more government control they're going to continue to believe in Keynesian economic policies of tax and spend they're going to continue to believe in centralized economic planning because they don't know anything different. They're going to continue to believe that we should print money uh, and manipulate interest rates because we're trying to hide a failing economy. We've got to get back to the simple blocking and tackling of what made America successful and great. And I think that's what Donald Trump is seeking to do. Yeah, this is the Andrea K. Show, and I'm talking to the one and only Alan West. Uh, speaking of uh, Im- immigration and, and I think something that you referenced earlier, some people were disappointed that he didn't immediately with an executive order overturn uh, DACA. And what do you think he could or should do? Because sanctuary cities, uh, you know, that's great that he's going to withhold the federal funding from, from them on that. What should he do with this whole Dreamer situation and the illegals that are here? And, and also well, as well with the refugee program. Well, I think that, you know, first and foremost, you need to look at, from the refugee perspective, I don't think that anyone that is coming from a country that is on the terrorist watch list uh, should be coming into the United States of America without this extreme vetting. I think that when you look at what is happening in in Europe, especially Germany, with the infiltration of the refugees there, single military-aged Muslim males that are coming from terrorist watch list countries, we should be able to say no. Uh, when you look at, you know, our immigration situation, we got to go back to simply understanding that this is a constitutional republic. We're a sovereign nation. You have to respect our borders. That doesn't mean that we're going to go out there and start rounding people up. But you need to have a priority of the folks that are here illegally, starting off with criminal illegal immigrants. And we need to say that you're not allowed to be here. And, you know, what happened with Kate Steinle out there in San Francisco and many other places across this country where these individuals are being deported two, three, four, five times and still Mm -hmm. coming back into our country. No, we should not allow that to happen. I think that we have to say that we are compassionate people, but you know what? Our kids here in the United States of America, they're dreamers too. Yes. And we need to make sure that they're at the front of the line, that we are protecting the American dream for them. And not just saying you can come here into the United States of America, you can disrespect our laws. We have to let people know that there are consequences yes. to breaking laws. Mm-hmm. It is not our responsibility to say, oh, okay, you're a nice person or whatever. You know, you have 
have to have some type of consequence. Now, I think that Donald Trump can figure out the consequence. I think that our legislators should be able to figure out the consequence. But we have to say that there is a rule of law here. There's a standard, and you cannot violate that standard. Yeah, and when you have $20 trillion in debt, you literally just cannot afford to bring in every Tom, Dick, and Harry that wants to come here with no education and no ability to feed themselves and their families. Yeah. It's the same thing and, with the refugee program. And that's one of the critical things you do. You have to say right off, Andrea, is that you're not going to get public you know, benefits. You're not going to get the largesse of the American taxpayer if you come here illegally. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. You know, l- let's adopt the laws that Mexico has you know, <laughs> yeah, for people yeah. that comes into their country illegally. I think that'd be a great start. And let someone argue against that. Um, couple more questions from my listeners, and thank yeah. you for staying with me a few minutes longer. Will, oh, I enjoy it. Oh, thanks. Will you be assisting President Trump in Middle Eastern affairs? Well, I don't know. You know, I had two meetings in Trump Tower uh, back on December the 5th and December the 12th. The first meeting was with uh, the vice president, uh, Mike Pence, who I served with in Congress, uh, Lieutenant General Flynn and KT McFarland, the national security team. And then the second meeting, I sat down and had an interview with the executive transition team. I have not heard anything back from them since December the 12th, but I'm always ready to serve God and country. And if they give me the call, I'll do what is necessary to do that. What do you think of his nominations, his nominees so far? Well, I think the important thing is, and why you see Chuck Schumer and others so, you know, apoplectic, is that he is not picking, you know, the people that live in the world of theory. Uh, he is picking people that live in the world of practicality, uh, people that have gone out there and done something. You know, I cannot understand why anyone would be upset about a general, a uh, former general being in charge of the Department of Defense. You know, we don't need to continue to go down the path of, you know, Ben Rose, who was the deputy national security advisor who had a degree in literature and creative writing. Okay, what does that guy know about, you know, national security? But that is the, the less mentality. You know, John Kerry was, you know, just a career politician. Yeah. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, guess what he's done? He's traveled the world. Mm-hmm. He sat down with foreign leaders, good ones, bad ones, but he had to get stuff done. So I think that's what Donald Trump is looking for, people that have been out there in the world, have done things. And you know what? If you've done things and you've done it well, you're successful. Mm-hmm. And that's what Donald Trump wants to convey. A, a an atmosphere of success, not an atmosphere of career politicians and government bureaucrats that have done nothing but live off the largesse of the American people. Well, Colonel West, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being on my show today. It has been such an honor and a pleasure. And, you know, oh my. you've you've promised you've offered to come back and I trust you. I am not shy. I will be inviting you no back. Problem. All right. No problem. I'll be right here. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. All yeah. right. Now, we're going to shift gears. We're going to take a quick break. One of the biggest moves that Donald Trump uh, did on day one was fulfill a promise to get us out of that dang TPP. So we're going to talk to one of the lobbyists who helped, uh, who worked on uh, pushback to keep TPP from getting ratified in the first place, Krista Huff. So we got more on the other side of this break. It's the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. You're listening to the best of the Andrea K. Show here on 1170 AM, The Answer. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. 
Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to the best of the Andrea K Show here on 1170 AM, The Answer. <laughs> All the way from some undisclosed location, probably down in... Way down. Way down in some island down, surrounded by underage girls. Is none yeah, other. I get that a lot. None, none, none other than the 43rd almost president, Bubba Bill Clinton. Hey, baby, welcome to the Andrea K Show. Oh, it's so good to be back, and I love when you call me baby. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're in good spirits because uh, you didn't necessarily look like you were in good spirits on the day of the inauguration, especially when your wife caught you staring at Ivanka. Well, that was the problem is that I couldn't get a full view of Ivanka, and hence the reason why I had that look on my face. I only got to look at half a cheek. So it really bothered me that day, not to mention it was cold. And when you're married to Hillary, what can I tell you? You're always miserable. <laughs> okay. Um I bet that you've been especially miserable, though, since the election, because, I mean, rumors were that she just did not handle it well the night of the election. That's why she didn't come out and talk to her people. And there's even been some rumors going around about her maybe tipping uh, the glass back a little bit. What's going on with Hill? Well, uh, I will say this. Um, she was definitely in bad spirits, uh, and that's putting it mildly. She started throwing all kinds of objects at me. Uh, as you know, I have uh, an esteemed adult toy collection, and she was throwing all of them at me. And I got to say, silicon hurts when it hits you right in the nose. So, uh, it But you would have some think- experience in silicone hitting you right in the schnoz, though, wouldn't you, Bill? Yes, I do. A lot of it, in fact. And uh, she has been uh, quite temperamental and very uh, unpredictable. And um, she has been drinking. Uh, She loves Russian vodka and uranium, too. So it's, uh, you know, she does have good taste. And uh, the Russians certainly know how to make uh, really good vodka. Uh, Okay. Now, is she planning on, uh, while she's sipping the the vodka, sipping the juice, is she planning a comeback? Because there's all kinds of rumors. Is she going to run for mayor of New York? Is she going to be supporting school board nominees in Arkansas? What's up with her and her plans? Well, Hillary is as unpredictable as a hurricane, so I really don't know what her true intentions are, but uh, it's good for my social life when she does run, so (laughs) I certainly uh, do support her doing that, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm excited about that, Um, and so you never know. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way, uh, Andrea, nothing is off the table. At least that's what I said to the last woman I made love to. (laughs) Speaking of women, because we know how much you love the ladies, did you stick around in D.C. for the Women's March? And on a scale of like zero to ten, how attractive were these ladies on, on the whole? I'd give them a minus 27. Um, Certainly not uh, attractive. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I was celibate that day. (laughs) I did not have sexual relations with anybody, even myself. It was terrible. (laughs) And uh, the reason I say that is um, 
uh, you know, at first I, I thought I saw this one woman and she was going to look up to me and say hi. And then it was none other than John Kerry. And uh, that was uh, pretty freaky. I did not expect that, you know. And uh, he came over to me like Lurch and he just kind of leaned over and, you know, patted me on the head. And I was like, oh, God, why am I even here? <laughs> so it, it was um, it was pretty awful, uh, to be honest. And it was very, very difficult to get through. But I got to say, um, I was very impressed with Melania Trump's outfit, and yeah. that made my entire day. Uh, uh, and that's putting it mildly. I bet he did. Now, um, I'm, you know, we're we're broadcasting right now via Facebook Live, and some people are okay. wondering if uh, I haven't heard anything from Benjamin Netanyahu since the since the inauguration. I know that uh, plans for Israel, in terms of actually moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, is on the table. What do you th- uh, you know? Have you heard from Bibi? Bill. Um, I have not heard from uh, Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, I know he has definitely been in touch with President Trump. And, uh, you know, I got to say that does have a nice ring to it. Uh, I'm kind of getting used to that at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I- I'm not sure if I'll be in touch with Bibi. I'm sure he'll uh, try to get in contact with me at a certain point. Uh, I would prefer he do so when Hillary's not present just because it's hard to carry on a, a decent conversation when you have dishes breaking in the background. Well, some of the listeners were hoping maybe Bibi might be near you and and able to make a comment on... uh, Actually, you're you're not going to believe this, but I see him... uh, I'm I'm not too far from uh, one of the embassies. Uh, Bibi, Bibi, (laughs) sir, right here. Yes. Hello, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me on again. It's... uh, been a long time, and uh, it's very emotional. Uh, this is—it's uh, been quite an ordeal, uh, to say the least, uh, mm-hmm. especially within the last month and a half of mm-hmm. uh, the Obama presidency. Yes. So naturally, there are many people in Israel. We're very honored and very pleased that President Trump won the election, and we feel that we can certainly work together, the United States and Israel, Mm -hmm. rather than harboring resentment towards one another. And that's unfortunately was the case when uh, President Obama was at the helm. Yes. What did you think when when John Kerry, in the last final seconds, practically, of of the Obama administration with this crap that they pulled with the U.N. and then John Kerry coming out and basically saying the definition of peace for Israel should should come at through Israel uh, subjugating themselves to the to the will of of Hamas and the Palestinians. Well, John Kerry is delusional, and for him to even uh, come up with such a motion is just uh, preposterous. I, I really, I believe Mr. Kerry skipped history when he went to school. And that's unfortunately some of the biggest problems that we've had to encounter, uh, notably with former President Obama. Uh, he is someone that had an Islamist agenda. Everyone knows it. I mean, this is someone who, who in his, one of his last acts of being president of the United States, contributed, or I, I should say not contributed, but rather took over $200 million in American tax dollars yes. and gave it to the Palestinians. And, and I, again, I still to this day cannot understand that, how people cannot clearly see that this is such a black and white issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the, we're just grateful that the hostility mm-hmm. is no longer there, that this 
if I could say this uh, dark cloud yeah. is no longer above the state of Israel. There, it was an albatross, if you think about it, around our necks yes. for the past eight years. Well, it's, I start, it, I, excuse me for interrupting, Bibi. Sure. Um, okay. I started my show talking about the irrationality of the left and, and the hysteria. It, it is completely irrational to see these liberals putting swastikas on Trump and calling him anti-Semitic after eight years of what the Obama administration is that there is no way that you can characterize Obama as anything but anti-Semitic when he did give the $200 million to the Palestinians, when they have pressured uh, Israel to, you know, subjugate themselves to, uh, to Hamas and, you know, and, as well as giving rise to radical Islam all over the world. Uh, final thoughts. Yes. Uh, I believe this is uh, the dawning of a new era. I believe that there will be great cooperation between the United States and Israel. Uh, Israel is a great ally of the United States and vice versa. Uh, we are two countries that are being affected among many other countries by radical Islamic terror and we should not be afraid to call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the former president of the United States refused to acknowledge this problem and if anything, he was a part of the problem. Yes, he created that, the problem in my opinion, baby. He created the problem. He intentionally took out leaders uh, like in Egypt and in Libya and actually then turned around and gave money to the Muslim Brotherhood, who is anti-Christian, anti-Semitic. So to me, it, I, it, you know, I know that you being the politician and it, you have to mince words, but I'm just going to say it right here that I think that, that it's been intentional what he's done and then turning around to give uh, do that Iran nuke deal when Iran teaches their children to chant death to America and death to Israel every day. And they've already stated their goal is to just to wipe America and Israel off the map. I think it's I think we should be past the time of uh, of tiptoeing on eggshells in terms of declaring Obama who he is. I got to thank my buddy, Phil Hirsch, for being on the show today. Phil, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Um, anything that you want to say yourself about the election? Ah, wow. Well, I'll tell you, it really was a nail biter, a cliffhanger, if you will. It's the last thing. Um, I'll be honest, I did not expect it to go the way it did. I think a lot of people... Uh, shared that sentiment. Uh, the reason I say that is you look at all the negative coverage, and it's obviously not going anywhere anytime soon. It's always going to be there, especially now. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder, it's like, gosh, you know, I, I wish the media could, for one minute, could just look in the mirror, just and not just media in general, but just a lot of major people, these spokespeople uh, that represent uh you know, different channels mm -hmm. and, you know, like ABC, NBC, CBS, and vice versa, and you know, CNN. And just to look for one moment and say, gosh, can you believe that I get paid to just lie to the American people on a yeah. daily basis? And that's pretty much what they do. And yeah. it's pretty incredible that people still do not get that. Mm -hmm. And they just continue with the status quo. And I'm thinking, you know what, this is why, you know, President Trump tweets yeah. because he needs to get his message up because if he expects uh, anything to change anytime soon over at CNN and MSNBC and the rest of those, uh, the, the MSM, the drive-by media, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it, it, it is effective. I think a lot of good things have happened. The one thing I'm very happy that occurred is that the TPP is dead in its tracks. I know you were yeah. uh, talking to former President Bill Clinton, who's like Hillary, <laughs> was the architect of the Trans-Pacific Partnership before she was against it. But oh, right. I 
Seacrest. Oh, and he so, and he was behind NAFTA. So you yes, know exactly. And what this Which is I, all, yeah, and what this is all about, what all these big trade deals are about, and what liberalism is all about, and and Obama and all of them. It's this. They want a one world government. They want to. Yeah. And Obama set out day one to weaken America economically and militarily, and he did succeed in large part on that. Sadly, uh, yes, you, he did. You and I both have uh, friends in Hollywood and in, in the entertainment industry. I got to say, before we wrap up with you, one of the things that aggravated me so bad with this Women's March was not just the insanity of like Madonna talking about thinking about blowing up the White House. Or some of the, I mean, uh, yeah, Ashley Judd, you are nasty. But to, when I hear all these people complaining about the state of women today, particularly in Hollywood, it's like, how is that Trump's fault? You've had Barack Obama in power now for eight yeah. years. For a good part of that, he had both houses of Congress. Hollywood is mm-hmm. run by liberals. All yes, the all are. the studios, every production house, all the casting directors, it's all run by liberals. Hey, if, if the mm-hmm. women are getting paid the same, how in the world is that Trump's fault? You know, that's the part that's incredible. And they always have someone else to blame but themselves. And uh, it's you're right. It's it's very difficult to be out and about if you're uh, an actor in Hollywood or even on the East Coast, for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's something you're always going to have to deal with. You're going to be on a film set and you're going to have people who are going to make the most outrageous remarks. Yeah. And there are times you just have to bite your lip and just say, gosh, you know what? I'm getting paid very well to be here and uh, yeah. I don't want to jeopardize that. And it's terrible to even think that, but it happens all the time. It's, right. I'm sure it's happened to you many times. It's happened to me many times and continues to happen. Yeah. So it's just something we have to deal with. But every so often you're on a set and there's a client that gets it yeah. uh, or people that get it. And it's nice to have a conversation with even one or two people quietly. Yeah. It just gives you hope. That's well, all I can tell you. Some are actually starting to get it. You know, John Favreau was, uh, said that he had been going around to Hollywood talking to all these houses, uh, you know, production houses and, and studios saying, hey, why are you guys you know, continuing to push for policy of high taxation? Because all you're doing is driving the, the movies and the TV productions out of California. I mean, I've got I've got a family member who hasn't been to his home in L.A. in years because he's got to go and move everywhere else where there's good taxes. Uh, That's exactly it. And I've also, you know, been spending a lot less time here and and being out of state. And that's what people end up doing. They end up buying a house in Georgia or Florida or Louisiana, and they're able to work a lot more. And the reason being that it's not just the tax cuts. Keep that in mind. It's also the environment itself. When you have a good governor, unlike the current governor of California, who's horrible, but when you have a decent governor who knows how to govern properly and who knows how to keep their house in order, it's going to make a difference. When you have a a climate of hostility towards business, people are going to flee in droves. And that's the biggest problem with states like California and New York, Mm -hmm. where a lot of these people have left and they don't plan on coming back. And again, a lot of it has to do with high regulation, high taxation. As well as our open border, you know, I'm down here on, on this border yeah. town and you know we we see firsthand you know Alan West was on earlier and he was talking about the locust effect and how it's you know spreading out yeah. into the rest of the country but the open borders and the importation of people that, that don't have skills and don't have any education don't even have the ability to speak the language and then immediately go in government yeah. assistance it just mm-hmm. has been such a drain economically and it does not make you a racist to point that out you know I think no. people need to make a decision how many children they should have too because if you can't afford to feed and take care of 10 mm-hmm. kids don't 
don't have 10 kids. To yeah. me, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you hate children if you make a decision. You know, I'm not, no, or I'm not going to go and I'm not going to go and adopt 10 kids because I can't afford mm-hmm. to take care of them. But to me, it's just about fiscal responsibility. Phil, thank mm-hmm. you so much. It's always an honor and just, and just such a crack up to me to have, have you on my show. <clears throat> Phil and I have been buds for a lot of years now. We did a, we did a Disney, a Disney project together out of Orange County. We've been friends ever yep. since. And um, right. how can people see you work? Well, they can see my work. I have uh, some work on YouTube, and I also have a fan page. Uh, people can go to facebook.com forward slash Philip Hirsch fan page. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-H-E-R-S-H fan page. All right. Well, I'm a fan of yours, buddy. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Andrew. Keep up the great work, and God bless you. All right. Thanks, you too. All right. We're rolling into the final stretch. We're going to take a real quick break. You're listening to the best of the Andrea K Show here on 1170 AM, The Answer. You're listening to the best of the Andrea K Show here on 1170 AM, The Answer. Fight for your right. Oh, okay. I didn't get that. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. That's the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Fight for your right to party. Right. And speaking of a party, I got a little bit of a party going on in the studio right now. Hopefully you guys can see this over Facebook live. Um, I got my crew. Can they see this? Can y'all see this over Facebook live? I got my boys, Al Arias and Rod Hatley. Speaking of the beastie boys, there's an impediment there. There's an impediment there. What's the impediment? There's, Al's wanting to make sure there's looking, metal in the way. Al's wanting to make sure he's looking good on camera. Oh, I can't look good on camera. <laughs> it's not about looking good. It's this little thing right here. Uh, no, that that's not showing up. I don't that's think. not showing up on the camera. Al worried oh, about I what see. he's looking like on camera. <laughs> I got Al Arias and Rod Hatley, uh, two of my experts here on the show, to talk about. Um, business and the economy. Y'all heard a little bit of what Bill Mitchell had to say that, mm-hmm. you know, he, th- he expects that Trump's going to have good results because he's approaching things like a business. Mm-hmm. Do you guys agree with that? We'll start with you, Al. Do I agree with it? Of course I agree with it, but it's going to be a rocky road, mm-hmm. a rocky road. Yeah, it will be. Because he is so controversial and that's his life. But he, he kind of directs all of the all of the discourse, mm-hmm. uh, so everybody is his puppet. So all those twi- Twitter uh, tweets, feeds, tweets, yeah, tweets. You can tell I'm a real current guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but all of those tweets uh, that that everybody's talking about the tweets instead of talking about the issues. So he directs the traffic. Well, I'm not, I think people are really talking about the issues. Oh, give me a break. You don't think so? You don't think that people are really talking about Do you about- watch the tube? I do, but I'm careful with what I watch. <laughs> I do. I, I watch people. What do you think, Rod? Well, I think Al has probably said it best. I mean, I think that whatever Trump attempts to do, you, you know, I mean, nothing happens in Washington without building a coalition. I think that right. will be probably the greatest challenge he'll have as a yeah. business person coming in with no prior government experience, is to build a coalition, not only mm-hmm. of the Republicans, but also the Democrats. And mm-hmm. so I think that's where the rubber will meet the road for whatever he wants to get done during his tenure. So yeah. I think it's just simply um, coalition building. And that just takes time. And there's an art to do to doing it. Yeah, there is. And I and I think that he, that's something that I know people have actually done work with him in the construction industry over the years that tell me that that is really what he does best. Okay. And that, it, that no, he has a significant fear factor amongst the Republicans, so they don't want to cross him. 
Well, but I actually think that he is. He there's two resistance that he faces, two opposition parties, the Democrats and the GOP, the establishment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's signaling that he that he gets that he's got to build a coalition with both, yeah. basically. And I think that he's I think he's on track to be a little Reagan-esque in that regard. I think some people forget that Reagan uh, compromised a little bit when it came to taxes. You know, he actually, you know, worked a lot. He worked with Tip O'Neill very successfully. And I think, you know, it, what did not look 100 percent conservative across the board, but he still recognized and remembered. Well, he's compromising already. So, yeah. I mean, and in that, a good this way is or the about, fact of life. It's Washington. Well, yeah. And I think that and that's why I said and I mentioned this to Bill Mitchell earlier and I did on my show a while back. People need to have reasonable expectations that that some things are a starting point for negotiations. And some of the stuff that he said on the campaign trail was that mm-hmm. I do think he believes, though, and understands. And this is why a business person was so important as, as POTUS. He understands that low taxes and low regulations jumpstart economy. And I don't understand why we have a Republican Party that seems to be fighting him on that. And well, I don't, I don't know that they're fighting him. What do you think, Ron? I, well, I guess it's the way it's always been done. And uh, But I would say this. I mean, based on uh, what I, I know is being proposed, or at least as I understand what has been proposed, and it may change uh, over time, of course, um, you know, he may well be able to get through significant legislation with regard to taxes, mm-hmm. because if you if we go back, hard to believe it's now 16 years ago when Bush took office, mm-hmm. uh, we had significant uh, tax law changes by, I think, June of 2001. Mm-hmm. And so it's very possible. In fact, I know that um, there has been legislation introduced uh, to get rid of the or to repeal the estate tax. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certainly uh, it's part of his agenda. Now, how soon that will happen is anybody's guess, but it could be six months. Maybe he could do it in three months. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think the issue, a significant issue, is the setting of priorities. Yeah. So the uh, Obamacare repeal, mm-hmm. that is truly complex, and that is going to take a long time. I don't care. It's going to take a long time because there's a lot of give and take that's going to happen to try to come up with a replacement. Yeah. And I think that what I what I like is that I think. Well, that- but I, so the priority for me. Yeah. Regulations and tax. That's going to be easy compared to uh, repeal and replace. Obamacare. That's going to be right. very, very challenging. All right. So let's start with the, with the tax situation. I think that what's going on is I think if you look at what what Trump was talking about on the campaign trail, I think he wants lower taxes than what and, and, and a simpler situation than what the Republican establishment wants. I think they like uh, I think there is an argument to be made from the, the left is correct is that they've got a crony capital. They like these complicated tax deals that benefit some of their buddies on Wall Street. Like you know, Paul Ryan. Lobbying, yeah. lobbying is a fact of life. We're always going to have it. Always. Right. So they're they're reacting to their public, which includes lobbyists who speak for the public. Right. And they speak for special interests. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's the way it's going to be. Well, but well, yes and no. I mean, when I what I'm talking about is I'm not saying lobbying is going to go anywhere. To me, that's a separate issue. I'm talking about tax strategy and who's going to win. I'm talking about we've got Paul Ryan, Mr. TPP, and we've got a president who says I'm out of TPP and already signed an executive No, but I thought your point was, oh, let's get it done right away. It's not going to happen right away. 
It's a process. It's Washington. I know that. Now Now that we've established that, my question is, what's going to end up happening down the road? Is it going to be a more simplified system, and do you support that? Or do you, do you um, support it continuing to have all of these? I mean, you're an accountant now. You're probably not wanting it to be oversimplified. You're loving all them 3,000 pages. Are you that kidding? <laughs> have, you looked at, have you looked at sales taxes? Get a sales tax problem. There isn't anything more complex than sales taxes. Is yeah. this whole idea about simplify is BS. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd have to agree. I, I don't think we're ever going to see true simplification. Uh, I think we might be we might see some streamlining, perhaps, mm-hmm. but I don't think we're ever going to. I mean, I, I don't know that you could ever uh, get the Congress to go along, which is totally revamping the uh, mm-hmm. income tax uh, uh, regime that we have, or the tax mm-hmm. regime. I, you know, it's it's right. I think seventy thousand pages. I think the Internal Revenue Code. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't but, think it's going right, to change right. much. And what, one thing that's not going to change because I want to advance it, advance the conversation a little bit to a story that's breaking out of San Francisco. One of the reasons why I'm still hearing from the resistance on the left that if Bernie hadn't been cheated, he would have won because <laughs> Bernie's message of free, 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 people were digging it. Yeah, but there's no such thing as free. And right now, what do we have in San Francisco? We've got a story for, uh, at a San Francisco SF gate is the publication saying that San Francisco has come up with a way free college for citizens. Anybody who's been living in the area for over a year. Community college. Still, it's City College, actually, is City College in San Francisco. And I'm thinking. That's a community college. It doesn't. My point. Okay, let's not go off the rails. The point isn't where the institution is. The point is free. And you go, you read, not even into the second paragraph. And what the American people don't understand is there's no such thing as free. It's got to be paid for by Yeah, but look what they're talking about. $250 a, a year or a semester. Give me a break. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, if you saw $250 on the ground, would you bend over and pick it up or would you step over it? Again, not the point. The point I'm trying to make to educate people on for taxes is there's no such thing as free. Yeah. You read that you then you read how they're going to pay for it. They're going to pay for it by a tax taxing properties that are selling for more than $5 million. So basically, it's just there's no such thing as free. It's all in. No, no, no. The rank of $5 million. In San Francisco, there probably are a lot of people that have $5 million homes, like yeah. not even 10%, and that's a lot, probably 5%. Well, they're so thinking that it's going to raise it's, $44 million. The whole idea is to pass it on to the rich. Exactly. The, the rich already pay 87% of the income tax. Exactly. And to In me, California, 87% is paid by not even 500 people. I shouldn't know the number, but it's, it's very, very yeah. few people are yeah. paying all the taxes. Mm-hmm. Right. And the American people don't understand that. We've got 30,000 people showing up at rallies demanding free when there is no such thing as free. And well, so it's my, free to them. It's free to them. But of course. But not to the, you know, you just said, what, 87% of the taxes are paid by, you know. Very, very few very, number very, of very people. Few people. Very, very few. So if we continue to have more of this, Rod, how does this affect a state? Is there a way through? No, here's the danger. I I just got to get this point. The danger is that they say we're leaving. They can leave the state. If we're we're the highest tax state in the union, Mm -hmm. they can leave. The only reason they stay is. It's California. We have everything. Yeah. Well, you know what? Rush Limbaugh left New York City and people started <laughs> leaving New York in droves going to other places. Um, from an estate stand, you know, I'm looking at this. This is this is 
what, you know, beating what, up on the rich. Is there a way that you can avoid this kind of stuff with estate planning? Because this has to do with houses. Well, of course, I, I mean, that's a transfer. That's a sale of a property. So if it's a $5 million or more sale, that's their, their, those transfer taxes, those taxes that are uh, realized are what are going to fund um, the free city college in San Francisco, which, you know, may have some merit one way or the other. But there's an old uh, acronym, TINSTOFFEL. There is no such thing as a free lunch. So there, right. there is no, yeah. you know, someone has to pay for it one way or the other. Um, unfortunately, we, we don't, well, and maybe luckily, we don't have that issue down here in San Diego as yet. But I, I'm sure that uh, tax counsel and, and, and good CPAs up in the Bay Area are probably working on this right now because they see that this is going to be an issue. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to make sure that they can minimize as much of those taxes as possible, if not completely eliminate them. And there may be various ways you can do that. We just haven't seen it down here in San Diego yet. Al, have mm-hmm. you? You haven't seen that, have you? No. Okay. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that um, it, it'll be, they'll cross that bridge when they come to it. And, and they're probably already working overtime right now to figure out how to not have to have their clients pay those taxes. Well, that's up north. There's another old saying, poop rolls downhill. <laughs> well, that's so, true. So go San Francisco. Here okay. we come. Okay. Um, you know, so what do you guys want to see then? In taxes, that is going to help jumpstart the economy. And we got two minutes left, so I'm going to give you a minute each. What do you want to see Trump do? What do you want to see Trump do in terms of economic policy this year that's going to help your well, clients? Economic policy is a different issue. I want to see lower tax rates and uh, the simplification idea where you limit uh, itemized deductions. All that does is tra- change strategy. So uh, right now, because of the way everything is uh, arranged in the tax code, your strategy is to have everything above the line, deductions uh, that arrive at adjusted gross income, not itemized deductions. Mm -hmm. The big itemized deduction that gets in the way is limiting charitable contributions. I'm telling you what, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Because the charitable contributions are... It's an economic. It's an economic good to the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rod. Um, I don't disagree with Al. Uh, something that I would like to see, and I know that they're talking about it right now, is a deemed repatriation of a lot of offshore um, uh, money. Mm-hmm. A lot of corporations have engaged in these inversions where they'll basically buy a company that's overseas and they'll reestablish in that jurisdiction, and they're subject to a, a lesser tax rate. And um, there is a goal, uh, you know, to uh, to repatriate those profits mm-hmm. at a deemed one-time uh, 10% tax, which if that were to happen, you bring that money back on shore, then you'd have a lot of dry powder that could be redeployed yeah. Yeah. for, um, you know, investment and hiring and stuff like that. So if that should happen, I think that would be a wonderful boom. Yeah, whatever the estimates are. Multiply times three. Mm-hmm. It would be huge. Yeah, I think Tim Hortons. Was it Tim Hortons or uh, that uh, sold or partnered with somebody out of Canada, actually? and did that, But there, a lot of companies have been doing that. Yeah, we'd love to see that money coming back over here. Yeah. Kickstart, invested here. Well, Ireland, jobs and Ireland's growth is, is purely on mm-hmm. uh, offering big business, an environment of virtually no tax, no wow. income tax. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, Al Arias, the silky Al Arias. 
And Rod Hatley. Thanks for being here, guys. How can people get a hold of you? I'll give your phone number out for Aviarius Company. 619-296-2123. Ask for Al. Ask for Al. (laughs) (laughs) Rod? Okay. Area code 858-792-3444. Rod Hatley. Got a website yet? Uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, www.hatleylawgroup.com. H-A-T-L-E-Y. Right. Hatleylawgroup.com. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. All right, stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to give the awards out for Hero of the Week and last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award. My fellow Americans, before I leave, I have two words to say. Do not listen to the uh, Andrea K. Show. Obama out. Wait a second. That wasn't two words. That was eight words. Don't listen to him. Listen to the Andrea K. Show, Monday and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. right here on AM 1170, The Answer. I'm so in love with me. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Okay, I have no idea what song that is, DJ Carrot Sticks. This is The Power Company by Eric Burden. Okay. Oh, Eric Burden in the, the Animals? Yeah, well, just Eric Burden oh, on this Oh, just one. Eric Burden. Okay. All right, this is the time where I usually give out my awards, last week's Fool, this week's Tool Awards, and Hero of the Week, and I do not have a Hero of the Week. I really don't. DJ Carrot Sticks, do you have any, I mean... Not really. This is my toughest one every week to come up with a hero. I mean, when we have a story like last week where we have a fallen hero, a Navy SEAL who lost his life in combat, I mean, that's just a no-brainer. Um, I guess our heroes could be every week our military who risk their lives for us and, and, and put themselves out there. Um, so, you know, let me know out there, you know, maybe I might need to start changing it to like Patriot of the week or something because hero is such a big word and there's, there's too few here. There's too many zeros and too few heroes. I'll I'll give it to the award. Did you see the one that the video that went viral of the teacher, the, uh, third grade teacher does the handshakes with all of it? Yeah. 
I That's, did see that. I wish that. I knew her name because I'd give her the hero hero award. Yeah, that was cool. I thought it was a guy that was at a. It was guy, a woman. It was a female teacher. Yeah. Oh, she had like an individual handshake yeah, yeah, for each student. About thirty of the students each had an individual cool little handshake that, that they did was, every morning. We need to come up with our own handshakes here at AM eleven seventy and like do it on air for everybody when we do the Facebook Live. Okay, so for last week's fool, this week's tool award, I always put it out there to everybody out there on Facebook and what you guys think is is the and it ended up being DJ Carrot Sticks. He, he threw a name in there. Um, it seems as though the top for me, the top last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award is a combination. And it is George Soros Stooges that are Republicans. Uh, Paul Ryan, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, John McCain, uh, John Kasich, and Lindsey Graham all took money from George Soros in 2016. We dodged a bullet by having Donald Trump in the primaries, because otherwise this basically we would have had puppets of the left. We still have puppets of the left in there because Paul Ryan took the most money and he's speaker of the house, which is disturbing to me. So they are my top in combination last week's fools, this week's tool runner up is a tie. We got judge Robardi out of Seattle, Washington, who decided to be a fool and think he was going to you know, dictate to the country what we were going to do with our immigration and with our travel. We're going to see how that pans out today. And tied with him, thanks to DJ Carrot Sticks, is actually a local story. Local boy, Kevin Faulkner. And for a variety of reasons, first of all, he's open border, Mr. Amnesty, yet he claims to be a Republican. And second of all, because there's lots of people who say, you know what, if maybe Proposition C had been opened up for a vote all across everybody, then maybe the Chargers might still be here. So his handling, not just a Proposition C and other mishandling of the Chargers thing, DJ Carrot Sticks and others nominated him for last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award. I'm actually thinking we got a, maybe a third runner up here. Did you hear about George Lopez? No. Okay, George Lopez. See, we've got the left continuing to act as though conservatives are the haters and the intolerant ones and the misogynist. And George Lopez called a woman the B word and told her after saying there's only two rules in the Latino family, don't marry somebody black and don't park in front of our house. He told a woman, called her a B and told her to uh, sit her A down or get the F out. George Lopez, you are worse than a fool and a tool. You're disgusting, just like the rest of your low lives up in La La Land. Hey, I love you all out there. Thanks for being here tonight on the Andrea K Show. Thanks for everybody watching on Facebook Live and all your comments. We're going to be right back here next Tuesday, 6 p.m. Thank you to Scotty Nell Hughes and Bill Mitchell, as well as Al Arias and Rod Hatley. Have a great night, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosion. 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.